How can you know the future? God can predict the future. Our other gods usually don't try to predict the future. But I will prove to you in this study out of your Bible that our Creator does predict the future. And I promise you, this is going to be exciting. Are you ready to begin? Well, go get your Bibles and get a pen, and we'll be right back. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Now, our study today is how you can know the future. Now, before you begin these studies, now, I want you all to know it's important that as I lay these down, there's going to be 26 of these, and you need to follow them in order because um, one builds on another, on another, on another. So it's important that we follow the sequence. Now, our study today is, is how can you know the future? And before we start now with these next study, these studies that we're going to do, there's something that we all need to know. That our theme for these studies is going to be this. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. I know I can't see you, but if you can, repeat after me. Uh, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. That we need to remember. Now, all of us would like to know the future, right? To know what's going to happen next. And if you're a farmer, I mean, wouldn't you like to know what the weather's going to be like, especially during the harvest season? And, and if you're thinking about getting a job with a new company, wouldn't you like to know if this company is going to be in or out of business next year? You'd like to know, right? And if you're thinking about getting married, wouldn't you like to know if your future spouse, when you meet each other, are going to make sure you guys meet each other's needs and make each other happy? Well, we all want to know what's going to happen next, right? That's just the way it is. It's, it's, or what's the future going to bring? We would all probably make better plans if we could know for sure what's going to happen next, right? Now, unfortunately, my friends, for us, it's not easy to know the future. I mean, think about this. In times past, people did strange things in order to know the future. Here's a couple of examples. Now, some would try to predict the future by the way the sunlight reflected off a person's fingernails, or, or others would cut open sheep's liver and, and study the shape in hope of, of discovering the future events. I mean, even today, people believe that they can know the future by, by studying stars, uh, planets, and this is known as astrology. Others... They visit psychics, tarot card readers, palm readers, even, even witch doctors to find out what the future holds. Now, you might ask, how, how well do these methods really work? Do they really work in telling the future? Well, let me tell you this, my friends. You don't need to be a fortune teller to know that these methods just don't work. They don't work to predict the future. It's like duck hunting. Uh, you want to predict the future. It's like duck hunting. Uh, you, you blindly fire a uh, into the sky hoping that for so, that one way or another you're going to have a duck fly over and you're going to hit it. With a little bit of luck, you just might hit that duck, right? But no, this is hardly a sensible way of duck hunting. Now, just because we're not very good at foretelling the future, it doesn't mean the future can't be known. On the contrary, you know, because the Bible tells us of a God who designs the future, of a God who, who knows the end from the beginning, of a God who's wise enough and powerful enough to forecast the future with unerring accuracy, how? Well, he tells us what he is going to do. And this, my friends, is a God that you could trust with your own life, your own future. Now, here's what the God of the Bible tells us about himself. In Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah 42, verse 9. 
And Isaiah 48 verse 5 says, I told you these things long ago before they happened. I announced them to you. Now our God who designs the future, in these verses, he promises to reveal to us the future. That's right. You and I can know the future, not, not through sheep livers or astrology, but, but from God's word. From the word of God, my friends. And our study today is going to do three things. It's going to demonstrate that God in, does indeed know the future. Number two, that God reveals the future world to us and, and what it all means to you and me. And number three is, that, and our study is also going to show us, not only does God know the future, he also creates the future. That's right. Then God tells us what he's going to do before he does it. Now, the story that I'm going to tell you next begins in a country we know as Iraq. It's certainly a nation that we know in the news late. However, we're going to go back 2,600 years to a time when a powerful king ruled the kingdom of Babylon, which is the original name of the country we know today as Iraq. Now, the king's name was Nebuchadnezzar. At this time, Babylon ruled the entire world. That it, the, the, and our story is recorded in the Bible book of Daniel. Now, have you ever had a dream that, that perplexed you, that confused you, that just frightened you? Well, so did King Nebuchadnezzar. And, you know, and it must have been a nightmare because it so terrified him that not only did it wake him up, but he couldn't remember the dream. Now, have you guys ever forgotten your dream? Well, as we look in chapter 2 of the book of Daniel, we see that the king sensed that this dream was a vital, important message. So what did the king do? He called all the wise men together and he told them to interpret the dream. Now he knew that if they could interpret the dream, that they were, probably, they were actually real wise men. Well, these wise men included magicians, astrologers. These are the kind of people, my friends, that you and I use <laughs> to, to reach sheep, sheep livers and, and forecast the future. But guess what? They couldn't do it. They told the king this. They said, no one can do this. And they say this in Daniel, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Daniel 2, verse 11. Now finally, guess what? The king realized that none of them could do this. None could do what he asked. That they had no real supernatural powers. That they were no wiser than he was. So guess what? He said, I don't need them at all. So he gave the order that all the wise men of Babylon were to be killed. However... Among the wise men in Babylon, there was four Jewish young men who worshipped the living God. They were taken captive years earlier when the armies of Babylon destroyed the city of Babylon, or destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And one of them was a young man named Daniel. Now, when King Nebuchadnezzar's guards came to execute him, he did what we would have done in that situation. He asked God for help. Whenever you're put in that corner, you say to yourself, I need help, God. Please help me. That's what Daniel did. The Bible says that Daniel went back to his companions to pray. This is what the Bible says, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. Daniel 2.18. Now, they knew they were in a bad situation. They needed God as never before. Now, have you ever felt this way, my friends? Have you ever felt this way, too, where you're in a situation that was hopeless? Unless God helped you. Well, that very night, God showed Daniel King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he told him what it meant. And you know what Daniel did after that? He praised God. He praised God because he came to his rescue. This is what he says. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, that you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked you to do. 
For you have made known to us kings, the king's demands. Daniel 2 verse 23. Now when Daniel was brought before the king, he said this. In Daniel 2 verse 28, he says this. The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But, but, he says here, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. So guess what did Daniel did? Right away, he made a distinction between the things of the world and the things of God. He wanted to show the king how futile it is to trust in man. He told the king that he needed to trust in the God who made the world, the creator. Now then Daniel told the king this. This is why God has given him a dream. Your dream is about the future. That's what Daniel told the king. You see, friends, God not only knows the future, but he's going to reveal it to us. Yes, God, the creator of the universe. He revealed to Daniel what he was going to do. And then guess what? He made it happen. Now, a prophecy, my friends, is not about the prophet. No, it is about God telling what he is going to do. Now, this is exciting, my friends, that God lets you and me know the future. And you know what? This information is available in your very own Bible. Well, then Daniel did what no fortune teller could do. He told King Nebuchadnezzar what his dream, what his dream meant. This is what he says in the Bible. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and his form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that was struck, the, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is a dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. The dream, my friends, was exactly as the astonished king dreamt it. This huge image rising up, glistening with splendor, with these awesome proportions. Its image had its head made out of brilliant gold. The chest and the arms were, were polished silver. The thighs were burnished bronze. And the legs were made from iron, with, which continued down to the feet where the iron was mixed with clay. Daniel told the king every detail of the dream, even how he watched the image and saw the stone that appeared to be cut out, with, out of a mountain without any human hands touching it. While well, the stone was, was hurled toward the image and it struck it, it struck the feet, and guess what? It was completely pulverized. The entire image, including the head, the arms, the thighs, and the legs, were pulverized into fine dust, which the wind blew away without a trace. Then this stone, it appeared to grow until it filled the entire earth. Can't you just imagine a young man like Daniel explaining this enraptured king, the dream, and, and the interpretation? Now listen as Daniel speaks now. He says this, You, O king, are king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. 
Daniel told the dream about the nations, these great empires, and the one that started this entire thing was his own kingdom, Babylon. Now, Daniel continued with the rest of the interpretation as we continue here. But after you shall arise another kingdom. Now notice he says this, inferior to yours. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall, which shall rule over the, all the earth. Now, as history shown, there's been great nations and empires, and they don't last forever. Now there was two other great empires to come after Babylon. The one symbolized by silver, and the other by bronze in the statue in the king's dream. But guess what? The interpretation doesn't end here. No, because the dream doesn't end here. So Daniel continues in this. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Now here Daniel next describes the fourth kingdom depicted by the legs of iron and the feet of iron and clay. Then what happens? Then Daniel goes even further into the future. Now remember, in this dream, the giant rock that smashes the statue that fills the whole earth, well, what does it mean? Daniel ex explains it. And in the days of these kings, the, in the, I'm sorry, let's start over. Now, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king that will come to pass after this. This dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. This dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Daniel takes Nebuchadnezzar to the ends of the world. He takes the king to the future kingdoms that are still to come. Now look how certain Daniel is regarding the interpretation. This is what he says. He said that will be in the future and its meaning is sure. Now how could Daniel be so certain? My friends, he trusted that God who revealed it to him. That's why. He trusted in that God who revealed it to him. And God who showed Daniel that he would, what he would do in the future. Daniel, he learned to trust the creator God, the God of the Bible. Now, how important it is for you and I to learn this, we need to trust in him too, my friends. Now, what was the dream and the interpretation about? It's about a wonderful God, my friends, revealing a future of the world right down to the end of time. It's God revealing how the world would end soon. This should be exciting for you and me. That thousands of years after Daniel interpreted the dream, we could look back over our world history and see how accurate this interpretation was. My friends, God did what he said he would do. Now, as we saw the head of gold symbolize this great empire Babylon ruled the ancient world, it was one of the world's greatest ancient historians would say, one of the world's greatest, and it was marveled, my friends. Herodotus, right? He says this. According to another modern Bible scholar, he says this. The walls, statues, and other objects of gold testified to Babylon's splendor and glory. Babylon was a beautiful, beautiful kingdom, my friends.
Now, Babylon ruled for about, from about 605 B.C. to 539 B.C., just as God told Daniel. He raised up another empire after this, though, and that was the Medo-Persia. Just like the silver was inferior to gold, Medo-Persia was never as great as Babylon, no. But it was powerful nevertheless. Now, both the Bible and secular history describes the rise of this empire on the ruins of Babylon. Historian James D. Purvis writes this, When Cyrus the Great, the ruler of Persia, conquered Babylon in 539 B.C., the Persians succeeded the Chaldeans as a major imperial power of the Near East. Now, after Medo-Persia, Daniel said there would be a third empire, which was symbolized by brass, and by the belly, of th the belly and the thighs would appear next, of course. Now, Daniel said that it would rule over all the earth. Now, this is an amazing prediction about the rise of the Greek Empire. Under one of the most famous, famous conquerors of all history, Alexander the Great. Now, Alexander is unique because he expanded his empire more quickly than anyone ever had before, my friends. I mean, he conquered so swiftly that according to legend, that he wept. He cried because there were no more worlds to conquer. Well, he then died at the age of 33. Now, by 168 BC, the Greek Empire, the third, ended exactly the way God told it it would. Through Daniel, God told Nebuchadnezzar the fourth world kingdom would appear, and this kingdom was symbolized by iron legs. Now, this great empire came just like Daniel predicted. And it is known as the world as a, it's known to the world as the Roman Empire, the Empire of the Caesars. Now, within a short time after the Grecian Empire ended, pagan Rome became the undisputed ruler for 600 years, my friends. For 600 years. This is longer than all the previous empires that came before it. And the Roman Empire, it covered lands of Europe, some parts of Africa, and Asia. Can you believe that? And Asia. This is the way Daniel described um, to King Nebuchadnezzar these, in these words. This is what he says. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, and as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Now, the famous historian Gibbon, he's in a masterwork, he wrote a book called The Rise and the Fall of the Roman Empire. He used the exact same imagery right out of Daniel. The way he described the Roman conquest is this way. He says this, And the images of gold or silver or brass that might serve to represent the nations and their kings were successfully broken by the iron monarchy of Rome. This, my friends, is an accurate depiction of the ancient Roman Empire. It's an iron monarchy. Now, I want you to know something else amazing here. There was a separate medal for Babylon, okay? These separate medals, there was gold because it was a separate kingdom. And Medo-Persia, of course, had a different medal, silver, because it was a separate kingdom. The same with bronze medal depicting Greece and the Roman Empire's own medal, too, because it was also a separate empire. So he named everything the different medals were different nations. Now, as you look at the statue, guess what? Up to this. You don't see any more new medals. After the Roman Empire, no more new medals. There's no new earthly kingdom after the Roman Empire. 
The metal began in the legs and goes all the way down to the feet and the toes. There it is, my friends. It's, it mixes with clay. So what does it mean? It means exactly what Daniel said it would. This fourth kingdom would be divided. It would be broken up in uh, several places. There would be various nations, some powerful and some weak. This is what Daniel says. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. This is amazing. This is an amazing prediction. You know what? Okay. When you think of uh, a clay and iron being mixed together, you know what I think about? I think about these modern buildings. These modern buildings that we have today. So we're living in the ten toes, my friends. God described exactly what he caused to happen, and he did. The Roman Empire wasn't swept away by another kingdom as those that preceded it. No, no. Instead, in the 5th century, barbarian tribes of Europe, they broke up the pagan empire, the, the pagan Roman Empire, empire into different nations. Now, eventually, these became known as modern Europe. Now, you notice how the Bible predicted the Roman Empire would be divided into parts, that it would be both in, uh, strong and fragile. This, my friends, is an accurate depiction of the history of Europe. Now, at times, nations such as France or Spain or England were strong, while others are weak. In other words, guess what? Just as the prophet said centuries earlier, it would be partly strong and partly weak. But just, let's notice something else here. He said the divided fourth kingdom, this is what he said about it. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. In an endeavor to unite the nations of Europe, ruling monarchies, guess what they did? They engaged in, in a great deal of intermarriage. Now, despite all these intermarriages, guess what God said? God told Daniel that, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with the clay. Again, this is an amazing prediction of European history, which, is stream, which has had a stream of failed attempts to uni unify, my friends. Napoleon, Kaiser Wilhelm, Hitler, they all failed, my friend. They all failed in these attempts to bring the unity to Europe. Look at the map of modern Europe today. Yeah, it's various economic, cultural, and military alliances, but these nations are still separate countries with separate political systems, with separate cultures, and, and separate languages, and, and separate agendas. But let's remember... Let's remember how this tree ends. It ended with what? It ended with a stone, my friends. A stone cut out without hands, crushing all other kingdoms until there was nothing left. So what does it mean? Again, let's let the word of God tell us what it means. The Bible says this. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. In other words, my friends, during the time of the nations of modern Europe, God promised that the God of heaven will remove all earthly kingdoms, and he's going to establish his eternal kingdom. Think about this, my friends, a kingdom where there's no more pain, where there's no more suffering, no more death. 
And we lost a lot of people during the pandemic. My friends, imagine no more death. This is going to happen when Jesus returns, my friends, just as he has promised to do. Think about this. Babylon came and went, just like God predicted. Medo-Persia came and went, just like God predicted. The same with Greece. It came and went. The same with Rome. It came, then it broke into divided nations, just as God predicted. Now, the part of this prophecy, my friends, that has not yet been fulfilled is the establishment of God's eternal kingdom. So where are we today in history? Where are we today in history, my friends? We look back to see the Bible has accurately predicted all of the world kingdoms that were, come, were to come. If the Bible is right about all these things, guess what? Why not trust on the last one? The one that not only, the one kingdom that is not here yet. God knows the future. He has now revealed the future to us. He wants us to see the final end of everything, my friends. He wants us to know that the final end of everything isn't death or destruction, but rather a kingdom, an eternal kingdom, God's eternal kingdom, where, where all these horrible things in this world are gone forever. That kingdom, my friends, is just as sure to come as all those past kingdoms have already come. And because God is not just predicting the future, he's bringing it to pass just as he said he would. Like when you say that tomorrow I'm not going to go to work, I'm going to stay home and I'm going to rest. Does that make me a prophet? No. No, I'm just, I'm just telling you my other plans. When God said the kingdom of Babylon will not last forever, that another kingdom will take its place, he's simply telling us what he will do. Think about this. He places kings, he places thrones, he removes them, just as he chooses, my friends. But when God confides in Daniel his intentions for the future and tell him his intentions, and when these predictions were to come true, he's demonstrating God's word is true. He's demonstrating that God's word can be trusted. And friends, let me ask you an important question. We learned something tonight about God, or today. We learned about his power, about his might, and about his care. Now, how have we learned this? My friends, it's been revealed through, to us, man, through his word, through the Holy Bible. In Daniel chapter 2, we see powerful evidence that God speaks to us through his word. Why? Because that's because we've been studying God's word today. Not man's. We haven't been studying man's word. No, we've been studying God's word. And I promise you this, this is just a beginning, my friends. All through all of our studies, we're going to come across some evidence upon, upon evidence that, guess what? God's word is trustworthy. You see, God, he wants his word to become the, the ultimate authority in our lives, my friends. And the big question now is this. How willing are we to listen? Are we willing to let God tell us through his word? I know you may have heard some people say that the Bible's myths and stories and all these legends, just stories that are taken from a primitive culture. But, but you've seen what we've covered right now. It hasn't been a myth. No, God has shown us to his word that, that his word is relevant, my friends. It's, it's relevant in our times. Because 
he actually predicts the time that we're living in right now. Friends, God is in control, and, and my God has spoken to us through his word. He has shown us that he indeed is in control. We can trust him. I'm telling you, we can trust him completely. Now, as we study this prophecy, we've clearly seen how God can and does predict the future because, because he knows the future. Now, think about this. In this prophecy, God outlined the future of the world for over a 2,600-year span, reaching down to our day and beyond. He not only predicts the future, but he makes it happen. The only part of this prophecy that has not come to pass yet is the establishment of his kingdom. That kingdom that was represented by the rock that was cut out without hands. Now we're going to see in future studies that the fulfillment of that part of the prophecy is soon to come. And you're going to see why we can trust him. I mean, he's managed the world's history for all these years and, and he's brought the past history just the way he said he would. Dear friends, if, if God is in control of history and is going to guide us to a victorious end and the establishment of his kingdom, you know what that means? That you can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your troubles. You can trust him with your struggles. Now, I know I can't see you right now and you can't see me, but would you like to say this by raising your hand that I will trust him with my future and I want him to save me as I want him to save me because you know what? I want a place in his kingdom. Because you know why that kingdom is soon to be set up, my friends? That is the next prophecy that's going to happen. We'll return with closing prayer, my friends. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me once again for our time with God and his word. And our next topic is going to be about God's creation. So be sure to tune back in, and um, I promise you, you're going to love these presentations. And remember, don't miss them. Let's go on, go on the order, and you will learn. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. May the Lord embrace you. May the, His holy angels protect you. And may the Lord bless you always. Until next time, this is, God, this is Robert with uh, our time with God and His Word. Until next time, we'll see you. God bless you. Uh, bye-bye.